and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken and happy hour is happening somewhere else. We're your hosts. I'm Whiskey. And I'm Rox. Hey, we're actually able to stare at each other uncomfortably again <laughs> for a change. And no feedback in the mic from Skype. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's a little rough, but you know what? It does a trick. I like it. So, what do we uh, what do we got here? Oh, you brought it. J.P. Weiser's commemorative series, uh, 2018. Yeah. My grandma got me that bottle. Yeah, I remember drinking J.P. Weiser's. It was like $10 a Mickey, and I was 15 buying it. (laughs) (laughs) So So. was that in the 1950s or the 1960s? No. Be nice. (laughs) All right. So I heard something in the news a while ago. What's that? We've been set back 20 years in our education system in Ontario. In some ways, yes. Oh, okay. Totally. All right. But we got YouTube, so it's okay, right? Yeah, I go to the University of YouTube. I I divert to uh, Dave Gilmore and Roger Waters for the fact that I don't need no education. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, But it's it's funny. No, it's funny because it's it's weird. We've never been access information has been never so easy to access, but mm-hmm. so hard to learn. That's how it's structured, right? Like we don't know how to structure. I think that's the whole pur- purpose of school now. Like in order to update our school system, because our school system was originally designed to create obedient workers. Um, we we need to update that school system so that. It's not just so much that you have access to information. It's how do you access that information? How how do you structure that information in a way that you create uh, productive citizens? Right? Wow. Wow. We can just end the podcast right now. <laughs> wow. I just solved. I just solved all of our problems. <laughs> I think there's a lot more to it than that. I, I think it's uh, that's uh, an oversimplification of, of the world. And a very crass one. Um, education is learning. Just pure learning gives you opportunity. So in many respects, um, yes, we can have an autocratic view on, on learning going, yes, it's just people trying to conform. But you know, but beyond that. Well, I mean. No, 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 no. But, but beyond that yeah. is, is education breeds opportunity. And, and are you going to walk around shooting the messenger? Do you, do you sit there and criticize the YouTube video that's slightly jittery, slightly out of focus, but got you what where you needed to go? No, I never would. But but that's but when you when you say saying well, it, it's perhaps I'm being hyperbolic when I say it's there. the 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 education system that we have as it stands right now is there to set up, and it's set up to create obedient workers. Perhaps I'm being a little too no, I'm not. being a little too George Carliny. I, I I get it. It but it was designed to be able to get people working in the industrial factories, getting them getting them into the workforce as quickly as possible. Well, I, I disagree because a lot of the techniques that come from Cambridge, um, Cambridge University predates the Industrial Revolution. I thought it all came from Chicago. No, Cambridge uses the same te- similar techniques. Okay. So how? I mean, I think Yale even predates the Industrial Revolution. So. I mean, if the techniques were used by these institutions, why are they so radical? And it doesn't make any sense. I agree that the autocratic style, and I've talked to many uh, professors, where the autocratic style of you must write an exam, you must pass, you must get over it. But a lot of these were put in place, not because of the Industrial Revolution. I think they were more put in place because they wanted a way of, if I had a degree, this is, this is you must pass a certain ability. You must justify a certain ability to prove that you're on the same rank. You got to make a threshold by passing exams and making, getting grades and all that kind of stuff. But you're, you're effectively ushered in from one location to the next to learn one subject after the other, much like you would push objects through an assembly line. But that's how you choose to take most a lot of these programs. A lot of programs are set up to because you can only learn. X amount of things at one particular time. So, therefore, is dividing the lessons and categorize incremental learning. 
And at that time, that was the research that supported how people learn. Where are we going with this? My point is, is that <clears throat> we, we can have a, a very crass ideology of learning. Progressive learning, the progressive programs are out there. You just have to find find one that suits you. Well, I'm hearing more and more about, like, obviously, I haven't been in the education system for, God, more than 10 years now. But I have seen videos of teachers, uh, some of whom I call friends, and they're experimenting, trying different techniques and uh, trying to navigate different learning styles and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that seems kind of cool. And the thing is, is that the people are, the techniques may be similar, but the people are changing. The teachers are changing. You may have a teacher that accepted a job in something that isn't necessarily their forte. So they're doing the best that they can. Or they just want a paycheck. Or do they just want a paycheck? I mean, that's out there too. But I, I think the main point is, is don't shoot the messenger. Learn from whoever gives it to you. Okay, you may be paying money and you say, I deserve a, a, an education. Got it. I, you know what? I, I've been there. So Wait, what do you mean by don't shoot the messenger? Like when we were talking about the, our education system, because sometimes, well, sometimes you get you, we learn from all lessons. Okay, the good ones and the bad ones. Right. We learn from the teachers that are bad, good examples and bad examples. Okay. And then we learn the environment that you're learning in. You may not have to get to pick and choose it. So it might be a classroom because that's the only way that curriculum is being offered. To or the masses. To the masses. Or it could be Crash Course Economics right. on YouTube. One of wonderful series, by the way. Or Crash Course Chemistry. Crash oh, Course Physics. Oh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard of these. So these things are, are, are there. So don't shoot the messenger. You don't necessarily get to pick the environment when you're learning a lesson. No different than when you're playing with fire and you get burned. Well, guess what? It was a lesson that happened, and then you learn from it. Well, I would argue like a lot of the education that I'm getting nowadays is online. It's And a lot of it comes from places like YouTube, or it comes from podcasting, or it comes from... It's people trying to piece together what they know and what they're qualified on, and they're they're trying to, to deliver it in a in a way that they can monetize it through the YouTube monetization process, and but they also get the knowledge out there, and people want to know. But you run into problems with that, right? No, I would, I would say, but I wouldn't say that they're qualified to teach you. Like, no, let, let, not necessarily. Again, don't shoot the messenger, but be wary of their their message. What, what? Because uh, some messages have ulterior motives. We get we get into that a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. That's okay. kind of what I was alluding to. So, um, I, I think the, the, the part that I want to go with is that degree programs have, are accredited by a body that goes into re- do research. We want candidates to have X, okay? okay. Y and Z in their, their repertoire. Say, repertoire, you know, academic diet, if so to speak. Um, <clears throat> so, when, they're, when they reach the workforce... They, ha- they can meet the requirements you need to get the job. Unaccredited degrees, which exist everywhere, don't have the same stringent requirements. So if you want something that's unaccredited, then go for it. But then, then there's a whole other business side to, to universities as well. So you get, for example, University of Phoenix. But 15 years ago was a dying school. Maybe actually longer now. Maybe 20, 25 years ago was a dying school. Until it was bought by a business, became one of the largest online universities in the world. Mm. Because what, what the businesses needed was an accredited school to, to launch their platform from because the accreditation piece is really hard to get. Um, so so there's there's a business side to universities. Oh, you for sure there that. is. So is, On but, that we can agree. Much like hospitals and, and they're, a subs, business, uh, they're a business subsidized by the government and then they bill the government. Schools provide a academic service to the people, and they're subsidized partly by the students themselves and government, and they also get subsidies through research. But there's a very interesting ha- thing that happens if you have a well-funded education system, the innovation of the population tends to rise because they're more innovative, there's more entrepreneurs. The people under 
people as they go through school go, you know what? I saw something I could saw saw, saw something and an opportunity I can make money on. I will create a business doing it. Okay. So if we stifle education, we lose the opportunities of our people. So what makes are are we stifling education? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. We're we're amongst the highest educated population in the world. Um, but year over year, we're becoming less and less innovative. Um, Why could what what could be the cause of that? Everything's too too easy for everyone. Ah, uh, we're less risk, likely to take risk. Maybe it's because we're so we're get, our debts on the rise. Our individual debt. If your debt's high, you're less likely to take risks. But according to well, I don't know if you're actually suggesting it, but it sounds like we got a lot of money invested in education in universities and what we, have you. We do, but most people choose to work it off, work their their nine to five job, pay their student loan off, and move on with life. Well, they can't really innovate and people aren't willing to take any entrepreneurial risks or or do anything like that if they have a huge amount of debt yeah and but there's another side to this too you know necessities especially student debt and i don't know what it's like in canada but i know in the u.s you're not allowed to declare bankruptcy on student loans that's some things you can't but what what i'm trying to get at here is is um the economy is hot so it's easy for for people to find a job that they want so the point, the trade-off is, is that there's no need to innovate. Right, because necessity creates the demand, right? Right. So I foresee that eventually what's going to happen when the economy starts to downturn a little bit, innovation will start to rise. Because we as a people historically only do the things that we really need to do, and then we just like living our lives the rest of the time. Right. So... So, I mean, what scares me is when you start cutting education, increasing large, uh, increasing class sizes. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Coupled with, in Ontario here, coupled with the massive uh, lack of infrastructure funding. um, The the point being is that now we have all these lack of infrastructure for students. Now we're trying to increase the the class sizes to reduce costs of the teachers. Um, My daughter's not having a good time at school, period. Hmm. Um, but, I, uh, I don't think it's an, I don't think it's an isolated case, but I don't think it applies to everyone else. My point being is that again, don't shoot the messengers. If you give them an opportunity to learn, give them the opportunity to learn. And really when we're talking about the younger grades, we're setting the foundation for their lives. What you don't do in grade four, you're going to have to do in grade five. If you're stuck out of grade five, you're less likely to have inclinations to do it in grade six. And then when you hit high school, you're going to want to avoid it like really bad medicine. So we're trying to figure out where you're going with this. My point is, is that if you enlarge classroom sizes with a fixed amount of resources, so the, the student supply list, all those extra resources, computers, books, those aren't getting larger. So you increase the class sizes, you're increasing the amount of competition for the same amount of resources. What competition? You have more people in the class. Oh, I see. Okay, I see what you're talking I keep thinking you're, when you're talking about anything like competition, you're talking about like an external... I don't know what you, I didn't know what you were getting at. I But I get, you know... Internal to the classroom. They're not... They're not... Incorpor- they're not funding the logistics necessary to support the for the increase in class sizes it's not just logistics so you you talk about infrastructure um and then you talk about teachers attention so one of the things you rely to learn is someone to come along and correct you maybe try it this way Mm. well if you already if you're already 30 to 1 now you're 40 to 1? What's yeah. the less likely that you're going to do it? I think amongst, like, just you listen to, like, human resources departments or human resources philosophy, I guess the idea is that, uh, at least amongst adults, you should have, you know, one person 
in charge of somewhere and I think what the ballpark number is like six to ten people or something like that and no more because then their I think it's their span of control deteriorates because they can't they can't focus on the needs of all those all those people. Well, I, I think it that and then that, that number depends. increases when it's children, but it's still like when you're getting like thirty kids in one classroom. I mean, my wife, my wife's a teacher. Mm-hmm. She's she's told me all about this stuff. Like it's nuts. It's it's stressful on it's stressful on her as the teacher, and it's also stressful even if you get like the ECE the uh, the the I guess the help helper or whatever that early childhood educator. Yeah, they come and like she worked kindergarten and JK and that kind of stuff. But you get those you get those people and they come and help out, but they're they're not they're not teachers they don't make they can't make the same level of decisions and you know it's a nice to have but there's there's not a lot they can do too especially with these massive class sizes yeah so then you also so it's competition resources you have buildings that are in decay like my daughter's classroom school classroom doesn't have air conditioning yikes what 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 year are we so and she has a southward facing window so the entire classroom is one big wall of windows, southward fl- uh, facing. It's thirty to five degrees in there. There's not a kid alive that'll pay attention. If you worked in anywhere in the world, you'd be sent home by labor standards. But our education system forces them to go to school. Ridiculous. What makes you think that? Like, why are we at this point? What makes you think that we're like? Why hasn't this been fixed? Well, here's two things. Or so, who, what caused this? Well, I think there's a confluence of a couple of different things. One, declining population. So we've had schools that were too big and not enough students in them. So we were maintaining schools we no longer needed. Ah, I did. I did notice this in my hometown growing up. All the schools, they destroyed them and they started making. I, I keep hearing the word like super schools and stuff, and yep. they would just amalgamate the student populations of like two or three different schools within the same district and they all send them to the same high school or what have you and this, they, they delayed these decisions so long that now they're trying to play catch-up at the same time they're trying to cut budgets that's interesting so they're two we're basically our education system was a two-time loser losing streak uh teachers are paid a a, a really good wage i'm not saying it's over exuberant, but they cost money too. Yeah. At the same time, we're teachers trying... are paid fairly well. Um, if you get full time, there's a bunch of other rules. Yeah. Um, but they cost a fair amount. So that when you look for cost savings, you always look to the labor pool. Then you look for infrastructure because uh, it's easy to replace teachers in this infrastructure. My point is, is we need to invest in our young people because they are going to carry the load for us when we're older mm. we fail to do this we learn this lesson like every 40 years it seems like we we, we start putting money in education and it looks like a piggy bank oh we're giving them too much money let's take it back um i don't agree with two school boards but that's just me um they have two school boards yeah for a district in ontario yeah oh okay maybe i'm not familiar with how the whole we only i thought we only okay i thought we had multiple different i had multiple school boards but they were divvied up by districts like durham region school board or okay um, limestone school board yeah so here here in kingston where we are we have limestone yeah and we have the catholic one oh i see what you're talking two school boards Yeah, yeah, yeah two school board trustees yeah Right? Yeah. Instead of pooling the resources that we now have. Yeah, I forgot about that. So me as a taxpayer, yeah. why would I pay for two school boards when I get, barely get the services of one? Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And then uh, just kind of a side note, but semi-related to that. I mean, you've heard, heard about um, people uh, wanting to start up uh, a Muslim school board. And the Catholics, the Catholic school boards are the first ones to say, no, we can't have that. But then once they start targeting the Catholic school board, the Catholic school board people are like, oh, no, 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 no. Well, we need the funding. It's just like, 
<laughs> do yeah, you? I'm not part of the arguments, but you, you sort of I, I, I'm, I'm acknowledging, I'm acknowledging the arguments, whether or not I'm for or against it. That's so. I think we should have one school board. I recognize hypocrisy when I see it because we need freedom of religion. Okay, we do for sure. And all the this, so that means our current school board accounts for freedom of religion. So limestone district school boards accounts for freedom of religion. Yeah, therefore the Catholics can go. If you want to introduce prayer time, because there's enough movement for it, then appoint a trustee that will support that, because they're publicly elected. Mm. <laughs> and here we are. Or what about like just is there how how do things like Sunday school and all that kind of stuff work out? Those are a church. That's part of the church, so the church funds those kinds of program. Well, program they're done programs. at the church. They're done at the church, so the church funds them, right? Yeah, so it has nothing to do with schoolwork. Yeah, it has nothing to do with schoolwork. Yeah. Okay. So, we talk about... Eli- oh, it's just... I'm just fascinated in finding out where the money flows. Like, you're you're basically... You're, you're doing a very good job of illuminating, just like, first of all, how we're getting screwed, <laughs> and second of all, where how the money flows, how, how the processes work. And I think... Not not very many people know about this stuff, right? Know about well, how this how this works. I wouldn't say that I'm an expert, but you start recognizing that there's you get your tax bill every every year, and it's like, oh, s- school tax. I'm like, awesome. Where's it going? And What's right it now, paying for right now, you have kids that travel an hour and something a day by bus, and they'll take two buses, hmm. two school buses go to school. Like two school buses for an entire school district. No, they'll take one per kid. Okay, the one bus will do a certain region, dump them off at a, a one school, and then the next they'll hop on a second bus to get to school. Are you serious? Yes. What? Why? Because just just how it is. That's how they plan the bus bus routes. Are you kidding? Because me? we did super schools, so now we're instead of because the distances are so great. And how last week, how many days of school did they go to? Two. They had two days of school last week. Three days were canceled. So what's your solution here? Like you're saying we need to decentralize uh, these school districts or whatever and like go back to the old style of having these having these schools like in in like smaller communities or whatever not necessarily like get rid of the super schools and then no, divvy them I'm up saying. into three or four schools like i think we, we need to, to i think we need to revisit the concept of education oh i totally i agree think we need you. to burn it down and start over i totally to agree take the lessons you. learned okay if we can do decentralized work why can't we do de- decentralized learning so we have a plan for snow days because they we know they exist yeah okay so there's a learning plan that goes on a proper information management plan that teachers can put poster the requirements and they can pull them down in classroom or the student can pull them at home. So if they're sick, we can still have a high quality education. The second piece, we understand business cases. We can look for consolidation where we can. I don't, I'm not particularly fond of the idea of super schools, but reality if we can congregate services to provide a higher quality of service, then let's do that. Hmm. Okay. We need to look at school bus transit times to try and look for, find ways of people where kids aren't doing two buses. Because whatever whatever what inevitably happens is the parents look at that going, my my kid's quality of life is plummeting because they have to spend an extra two hours going to school every day. I'm just going to drive them. Yeah. One parent, one parent will uh, drop them off. The next parent will pick them up. Hmm. Or the grandparents get involved. So we need to look at the if, if they have that nuclear style family. I mean, not all kids have the same. I know. I, benefits. I, I just right? gave an example. I said, whatever happens, they make arrangements so it occurs yeah. that way. Um, but we need to look at a holistic approach to education and screw feelings. Okay, we need to look at outcomes and yeah. the quality of the education. We got to take into account all outcomes, right? You got to make sure, like the outcomes that you want, that are desired, like they have equal opportunity to to learn things. But like, 
another thing that you want them to have is you want them socialized with other kids, right? That's a big part of youth development. You need to, they need to be able to interact with other kids. That includes all the facets of interaction. That's, that's, you know, trading and conflict and just straight up talking and playing games and all that kind of stuff. Like they need to be able to do all that stuff. Yeah. Team building. Yeah. How to deal with, you know, uh, the the other side of it, the negative sides of it, you know, like bullying and stuff like that. So we build the resiliency in our population. Yeah, bring bring back physical education stronger and harder. Yeah, but use the modern tools not as pacification pieces that you see in cl- a lot of times classroom, but integrate that into learning. Right. Bring back cursive for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah. Bring back normal math and memorization because memorization is okay. People would take issue with the idea that we should be teaching kids cursive right now. I'm just like, I don't understand that. Like, you need to know how to read and write, and you need to know how to write with when the power goes out. Or, And it's even beyond that. There's other applications of it, too. And it's going to come into... It might come in handy where you can apply... You can find ways of applicate or applying cursive writing onto a technological environment, right? Well, yes, that's true, and we we see that all the time. Um, but it, it also focuses on language. One, so, in many ways, is decaying. Yeah. Um, so, really, like you, you, I remember when I was fairly young, I got mad at myself because my writing was so bad. So I sat on the couch. I I bought a bunch of books because the internet was not available for this type of stuff. And I, I said, okay, well, what does calligraphy look like? What's the difference between these two? Find something that would made, made it look like that I took the time to understand and write properly. Because if your writing is crap, it looks like you don't care. Yeah, no, I agree. So do you think printing is any different? No, cursive and printing, same problem. But guess what? Cursive was about efficiency. Yeah. That's what we brought it about. It was an innovation that we just sort of decided to forget. Yeah. Being able to connect your letters together, I get it. For writing faster, shorthand. um, These things. You know why we memorized times tables? Because it was faster. (laughs) you, You showed me a video about that a while ago about some lady... I think we put it on our Facebook page. Some lady explaining this, like, cloudy, weird, unorthodox way of arriving to the same conclusion. It was like 30 times 12 or something like that. And then uh, while she's explaining this whole thing, somebody put up a comparison video to it. And they uh, they basically, they solved it within, like, I don't know, five seconds, just writing it down on paper the way that, we you and i were taught when we were young mm-hmm. and while the lady's explaining taking like 13 minutes to explain this 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 process mm-hmm. still not complete the solving of this problem this person goes out and makes a cup of coffee feeds their dog like <laughs> listen i i forgot ma- um, normal math a long time ago so sometimes i do have to take off my socks but if there's the the paper method always works mm-hmm. And if you don't have paper, you can find dirt. <laughs> dirt snow works too. You can t- use blood. <laughs> you can, do you do normal math? Okay, okay let's, let's okay. Let's but keep the, this is a family <laughs> show, like you said last week. <laughs> the point is, if you're not going to learn math, how are you going to open your wallet and figure things out? <clears throat> I okay. <laughs> I just. Here's another thing. I'm quite shocked that we're able to be intelligent after our talk about zom- the zombie apocalypse with chickens last week. <laughs> it was a fun podcast to edit. <laughs> oh. oh, man. They're taking over the world. Uh, but I guess to get back to the original question, because I keep reading on social media, um seeing some of my friends post about it. They keep mentioning that uh, we've been set back 20 years uh, with our education system because of certain policies that are being Im- implemented. 
Well, let's just be realistic. 20 years ago, 1999, yeah. uh, internet was still in infancy. YouTube didn't exist. MSN Messenger didn't exist. We had, what did we, we had have? ICQ numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Plenty of fish didn't exist. Tinder was just a, a wet Plenty dream. Plenty of fish didn't exist. <laughs> oh my God. Tinder was a wet dream in every teenage boy's eyes. Um, <laughs> so It wasn't even uh, Grinder at that point. <laughs> I don't even know what that one is. It's uh, it's for homosexual people. It's the it's what started Tinder as as from what I understand. I could be wrong in that, but it was an application that uh, gay people used to to yeah. meet up with each other. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyways, Snapchat Snapchat had happened on elevators. <laughs> it's a bad joke. Come on, work with me. <laughs> <laughs> So, but let's go back. I mean, there was no YouTube. the the the, in, the quality of the internet. You had to buy subscriptions to get any kind of inf- information at all. Yeah, American Online was super powerful. Um, America Online. Oh my god. Content providers. You've yeah. got mail. Was a Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. The net was Sandra Bullock. We had uh, what did we had? We had uh, Napster. Yeah, um, was Napster around that time? It was around. It was close to being around yeah, that time. It was it just yeah. It was just getting popular then. I think it was just starting to get popular. It was, yeah, it was, came out of the Midwest of the U.S. I think. Yeah, and, and then, then that, the guy who owned that, uh, I don't know what did he go bankrupt or I can't remember. So but he part, ended up being part of uh, uh, Facebook when that came out in two thousand early two thousands. Well, he got his ass sued to him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then they Napster tried to come back with a with a whole new content line. But anyways, yeah. I digress. The um, but when we think back, the quality of education that did it go back. So again, holistic approach to education. Do we set back? Explain. Well, we're thirty percent of learning is all thirty percent of learning is formalized learning. That's what you learn in the classroom. 70% of learning is informal learning. Okay. Thank you, organizational behavior. Um, but we realize is that we can teach people through formalized instruction, but they learn a lot more independently. But that doesn't work for all kids. So maybe we should... We have an incremental approach from the early 1900s. Burn the motherfucker down. Start from scratch. Okay. Right. What are the outcomes that we want to do? Okay. What do we what do we want our children to be able to do and then work backwards? Maybe we don't have summer break. Maybe we only go to school four days a week. Cause we're one of the few countries that or actually or I think we're still one of the few countries that have summer break. Teachers we're, will be very unhappy with you right now. That's their problem. <laughs> they don't if they don't like want like you said. Fuck feelings. Well, that's the main thing. If, <laughs> so maybe it's not, maybe there's three semesters a year and they change teachers. And they, each teacher gets cycles a semester off. But the outcomes for the students, the teachers and the labor will come with the mission, the, the, the mission or the operation plan that we have. Hmm. Okay? We want our kids to be competitive on the, glo- on the national stage and the global stage. Okay. If we want our t- students to become international superstars, okay, well we got to train them like international superstars. And the ones that the ones that um, can't measure up, we need to have programs that account for them to either get them to catch up or at least have a standard of life that's meaningful. And he said, "Well, this is a public system. We need to have the core values. If you want any of the extra stuff, you need to go outside." What core values are you talking about? Well, you talk about uh, some schools are considered private schools are considered premier private schools. Um, a lot of them are just really expensive places with fancy uniforms that cost you way too much. Yeah. So, and they give uh, you the same education at the end of the same day. Same education. Um, did you know there's online schools? So I was I was pissed off at the school. I'm like, I'm gonna pull my kid out. So there's online schools for grammar schools. So, if they have online schools for grammar schools, why can't we provide the same level of education 
through our system. So if I want to homeschool, I can register in a private school, pay them 300 bucks for the content, which is government funded content anyway, just the lesson plan's done. Yeah. And then like why is that why is that how can that guy make money off it if that means the quality of education that's being given by Okay, I'll pause it there. I'll give you mine. Okay. This one is actually probably pretty good to follow that. That's okay. What is this? This uh Mogi Room. Nice blended one, so I'll follow it well. Hmm. Okay. Barbados rum. Hmm. It'll follow your wisers pretty good. Yeah. A 12-year-old rum will taste like similar to this. Yeah. That's not bad. We'll pull the expensive stuff after. <laughs> What's that? The the Nomera rum we bought when we went together. Oh yeah, the El Dorado? Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. I had a twenty-five but twenty-five year, but mm. LCBO's not stocking the good stuff anymore. Yeah, I know. You gotta cheap out. They're get they're getting good with the whiskeys though. So where were we going with this? Um, the point is, burn the motherfucker down. <laughs> do learning outcomes. What are the we want our students to do? Work our way backwards. Well, what do we want our students to do? You just said we want them to be able to compete on the international stage or even nationally. We want to have a standard of education that inspires innovation, right? Innovation, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a believer in innovation because if you can innovate, you can exist in the current cycle, or you can break out and hit the passing gear and go. I would say there's a lot of people out there who are innovating and they're they're using their what they got out of their education system in an unexpected and unorthodox way. Okay, but you just told me a micro. What I'm saying to you is Canadian innovation is. A, is at a historical low. It's been steadily declined in the last what, 10 years in the last uh, Economist article that I read. Okay. So na- global, or sorry, nationally, we are in decline in innovation. So two things. We want them to be able to feel that they, they can take risk. Okay? Okay. So if they can take risks, we need to free them off the chains. Well, don't put them in so much student debt that they're not willing to take risk. That's one of them. So what does that mean for our education system, like especially with the universities? Does that mean that they become completely government subsidized? No. And I don't and, think I don't and, th- and tuition and books do not get paid for by the students? No, so there's in ec- economics, it's uh, I forget the theory. Some uh, some European countries do that. Well, they not exactly that, but they do. They they create a situation where students don't have debt. So like, yeah. So 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 let me finish that. So, um, in our in economics theory, if you have a free resource, um, the probability of it being exploited is overexploited is high. Yes, I agree. So I, I think the balance becomes. Pay moderate fees for courses, okay? Or because it, what about what about increase the difficulty upon which you have to complete the course? Like increase the threshold by which people like, or sorry, narrow the threshold by which people have to pass. So you increase the, increase the difficulty. But we have so many schools; we can do both, right? You got to yeah. make it valuable. Uh, Golgoth College, your threshold to get in is this high. You, you have to make it valuable. I get it, you, you, but you can make it valuable without having to apply a dollar amount to it, right? I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. You're gonna have to make sacrifice either way, because the other way around is, in order to get that threshold knowledge, you can either work to get the money, or you can study. Right. Mm. The balance, though, you know, I was a student going through high school okay mm-hmm. okay but the, the the balance was that my aptitudes were really high so that's how i got around yeah so if we make it only one particular barometer we kind of screw ourselves my ability to make money was fairly high mm. um never in the field that i wanted to be in but um 
We're just waiting for those two to align. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to. I get it. I I think I I think I understand what you're saying. I think what I'm trying to get at is, um, it's not like yeah, you make the material difficult, and therefore that helps make it more valuable. Uh, how do I how do I outline this thought? But there's a, there's a risk too. Okay, so you can say to make the material more difficult, but the what you see in different colleges, if the material is too difficult, people will gravitate away from that program into easier programs because sometimes if you just getting degrees or is their output. Okay. Right. So if you're, it's what end results that you want work your way backwards. So an end result that I theoretically might want is I only want let's say 40 to 50% of people taking my program to pass it. That's how difficult I want to make it. That's a very British way of actually the UK. So the UK universities is perfectly normal to take an exam multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> They'll try to as you. long as you're willing to do the work to succeed. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's not exactly how the real world works. Like, you can only fail so many times before you're fired. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. So every time you take the test, there's a monetary penalty as well. Okay. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. So so well, it, it encourages you to to do the work. So maybe we don't charge you. Maybe we don't charge you for uh, the tuition and the books or whatever. But... Uh, because all that funding can come directly from either the government or from research grants or what have you. But anytime you fail or don't do the work, that acts as like an interest. That's how we monetize the situation because it's based on your performance and not on some arbitrarily dollar amount that we've assigned that we decided you should pay in order to take our courses. Well, welcome to your, your normal resistance to, uh, to academia you've just created an hypothesis that needs to be evaluated through trial <laughs> yeah absolutely I, i'm not saying it's right I know, but, it's, but the, i think it's an idea it's and that's what we need right and you create you create ideologies and but the problem is well yeah you do but, but if you look at the current government what's happening is uh they're canceling experimental programs that show promise so the guaranteed income project that they canceled in what december Oh, like the idea of like a universal basic income? Exactly. That was actually being discussed? That was actually being run. The pilot was a five-year pilot project. It was what? two I, years into this it. This is the first time hearing of this. And Ford, uh, uh, Premier Ford canceled it. Really? Yeah, he's just hacking. Hmm. See, I don't know about, like, I don't know enough about what a... That's obviously a to- that might be a topic for another day, but I don't know if we want to go into it too hard because it's a it's a it's a definitely a squirrel that's going to be chased. But the idea of a universal basic income, no, they're tied together. St- kid wakes up in the morning, mm-hmm. holistic product. I want a person to do this when they hit twenty one, right? And when these same people are thirty five, I want them to do this. Well, I want. What I what do I want them to be? I want them to be responsible, tax-paying citizens, right? Well, more than that, positively contributing to society, and that's why okay. they got the volunteer hours. We want them to understand that there's a community. Yeah. Okay. So when we talk about, you know, people to air is human, and whenever we say not everybody will be the same. Okay, I agree with you. What we're trying to do is that we're going to try to create a program in which students enter a certain way. Okay? Kindergarten. You're going to be aged blah. Yeah. I'm going to make between the hours of working hours. So other people that have kids can be productive members of society as well. Between this hour and this hour... When they normally have their working hours. So, no, and longer, we just, longer, half hour before, half an hour after. So the, the parent can go to work, get to work, 
get into the workplace, be productive, come back, and then pick up their kid. Wait, what? What do you... Well, think about it. Our kids are in school from, what, 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock? Okay. Who works 8 to 3? Probably the government employees. (laughs) (laughs) Even then, I think they're 8 to (laughs) 4. Or at least 9 to 4. So it doesn't make any sense. Right. Okay, so you're saying the kids school hours should be longer than the parents school parents no they should be the intake of the school should be half an hour before half an hour after okay okay um so we should have kids start school half hour before that's what i said schools be open to receive kids half hour before half an hour earlier so normal working hours oh and half an hour after normal working hours but then you need teachers there to Respond to well, that need, and be able to supervise them, right? You need a program to look after the kids. It could be something else besides teachers. I mean, when you, I was you, a kid, we just walked down to the Eastview Boys and Girls Club or whatever. That was it. I just got beat up by the local gangs. But anyways, <laughs> the the point being is that we what is the outcome? So if we're looking at overall increasing productivity of society... Make it easier to have kids. Make it easier to integrate them into our lives. Make sure that this, we understand what the outcome is going to be. And then develop a plan from there. So maybe we're going to have more structured learning in the beginning of the day because most kids respond better in the day. Mm. We're going to give them breakfast. We're going to have them bring in lunch. And they'll be set. That's a lot of money involved in that. We should stop looking at our kids as bills and start looking at them as our investment in our future. No, I get that. I mean, just you got to take into account the infrastructure required to set that up. So you need cooks or whatever. You they're need already the doing it. They're, they're already doing hot meal programs. Those exist. Okay. <clears throat> so what are we doing? It's, a lot of things are half-ass initiatives, not comprehensive, to try and redevelop the whole. I can't think of another question for you. <laughs> well, when we look, well, at we never really did get answer. I, I guess I do have a question for you, but we never did really answer the uh, the question of what it is. You know, like people keep saying we're set back twenty years. I, I'm not sure if I got what you're. It doesn't make sense in the form of a statement because. Certain programs for 20 years, but we still have internet. We've already invested in technology in schools. But what do you think they mean by that when they're saying we've been set back 20 years in our education system? I think a lot of what they're talking about, they talk about sex education in particular. You know what? I I, I think we need to look at the comprehensive program first and then reevaluate. What do you mean by that? Well, because they already have... Sorry. They already have positive spaces. They already have other programs that are ancillary to gender identity. Okay. Okay. So, listen, I'm I'm really actually annoyed that you're going to screw up sex education. It was uncomfortable. Totally uncomfortable in the 80s. Yeah. Okay. It's always been uncomfortable. (laughs) The 90s wasn't that much better. Um, but the point being is that it, it's evolution is evolution. <laughs> okay? Right. Which What you don't do is roll back the clock. You come up with another edition and you take the good and mm. get rid of the bad. Because otherwise, you threw away all that investment in that new edition. Okay. What are okay. we talking about here? Sex ed. Okay, they we rolled black. We rolled back the clock on it. Do you know? I do you know what was part of the the new program that the the liberals implemented? I don't know well, I could, all I, the I, details. I, I could if from the nineties. I could put in LGBTQ. Okay. Okay, because that wasn't around the nineties. Well, they started putting that stuff in there. Okay, so, so they talked more about like. Gender identities and sexual identification and that kind of stuff, like or whatever, sexual proclivity. So right? yeah, so probably tender. Um, <laughs> my, my point being is, is is that you 
most of the time rolling back is a really bad idea. If you're going to cancel the entire program or reevaluate, that's yeah, good. figure out what lessons learned are. You want to do that. And then, yeah, you want to figure out, okay, so what was good about this program? And if you want to turn it down, build it from the ground up. Sure. Good. Sure. If you guys are going to do incremental, that's okay. But don't do, hey, I don't like the new one. Let's get the old one back. And that's picking and choosing based on your values. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot too much bias there. Yeah, I agree. The second but piece. You, but what you're saying is that this is really irrelevant, to be honest, when we should just go back and tear the whole goddamn thing down anyway. Yes. The whole education system, not just the, not just the, the, the parts based off of ideal ideology or whatever, whatever we choose to throw in there, because that's what's hip and chic at the time. Yeah, exactly. And look how we're going to deliver based on the new tools that are available. Yeah. Because a lot of things are still based on old tools. Yeah. Maybe we have, instead of the TVO channel, or which is really good, but maybe we have the Ontario Education Channel. That's a completely web-based thing. In the morning when kids are getting ready for school, we're going to have certain education programs for that for certain demographics. And we're going to have one channel for junior high, or sorry, grammar school, junior high, and high school. And they're going to have 15-minute segments based on all of the five main subjects. Well, what does the... here? I guess here's a good question. What does a government-funded education system... Like, what is it going to be responsible for teaching? Right? What kind of things... There's obviously... We talked about earlier about um, one thing we want an outcome from is... Or one outcome that we want is... We want productive members of society who are going to, I don't know, they're going to be able to innovate and create better society for down the road. Okay, that's one thing. But do we want them to teach things like culture? Isn't that something that could be a responsibility of their parents, right, of kids? You can have cultural innovators, too. Right. You have one that said that innovation isn't just about production i think innovation is about new ways of approaching problems Mm. okay maybe we have but if we want people that will bridge cultural gaps Mm -hmm. okay well that's you need to understand cultural differences in order to walk between groups to inspire people to follow you to inspire workers to do a particular job so if you don't so leadership is something that we want to teach kids right Mm mm-hmm um obviously we need to teach some pretty core subjects you need your mathematics your sciences you need your language you need your reading and writing english and or french they're the big five or all of them maybe we yeah. have maybe we have english and history other. is a big one or I think. maybe we have french english and other i don't know but the the point being is is that there's more to it and we could pick up five but you know what i'm totally not an education expert I just read the paper. Do you think, I think when you have ministers that aren't experts in their topic, pulling random thoughts together to do a particular outcome. Oh yeah, that's I think that's baloney. But I mean, that happens all over the place. It's not just with the education system. We have, we have uh, ex people who are running things uh, who have no expertise or qualification to do so. Yeah, there's ministers, and then there's there's they actually in their minister area minister responsibilities. You have experts in that group, hmm. so you may manage before. For example, you have they make the, the minister of national defense. Of you're going to have a def- minister of defense, a deputy minister of defense, yeah, and then you're going to have um, the chief of defense staff and he, all his group of people. So there's advisors at all levels. Okay. But when you pull hard line policy, it's bad. It's so bad. It's like Donald Trump on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? It's not going to solve everything. Well, those are all arguments based off of ideology. And they, they don't stem from any coherent, discernible sense of facts anyway. Yeah, but that's my point. If we're gonna if we're gonna get education right, 
if we if we're gonna look at our kids in the face and we say we believe in you and I'm gonna give you everything I can, well, guess what? Well, we ship them off to school and we don't have to worry about them. Well, no, this is, <laughs> this is not the residential school program, <laughs> and we're gonna stomp out non-performers. Um, I think what it comes down to is um, we need to trust our kids and we need to give them the benefit of everything we can. And if we're gonna, if we, if we as a public organ, public institution, if we as the public say to our kids, going, we did everything we could. Okay, yeah, sure. There's gonna be naysayers. There's gonna be people who say, I don't believe in this. It's usually about thirty percent. That's fine. <laughs> we're gonna put the the supports. We're gonna bring in the professionals. And I think we should need better performance appraisals for our teachers. Okay, mm. I think 360 evaluations for our teachers would be awesome. 360 evaluations for our teachers? Why not? That doesn't really imply a sense of trust for our teachers to be able to do their jobs. In fact, why not? There's no trust towards teachers when it comes to parents. When you average things up, out, it's all about the waiting. But the point is, the students need to have feel that they're empowered too. Okay, ultimately, in education. It's a very funny system. How do you empower at students? At university, the customer is the, is the student. Yeah. In the public school system, the customer is the parent. Yes. So the customer is always right, is what you're saying? Bill. Are all parents always right then? Yeah, but when you vote for somebody. Because that's bullshit. Just watch it. So when you vote for somebody, you empower them to make decisions on your behalf. Yeah. Okay. And that's where we start with building our school system. But we don't vote for people to make decisions on our behalf. We vote. No, 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 no. We have the illusion of voting for people on our behalf. That's not good. What we end up doing is we vote for some binary two party or three party system and we align ourselves with one party or another. Or. We end up choosing okay. one party we're, we're over in this, another in order to prevent a majority government because we're, we're we also, want that guy to win. And there's also the school board trustees in this whole thing. That's yeah, even more no. complicated. First of all, the idea that parents are the customer here. Okay, I, I can go with that, but the customer is not always right in this situation. I never said it was right. Well, I mean, that's 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 it's well, the it's the common saying, right? But when we agree. Yeah, but I didn't say that. So my, my my point becomes is is that we agree on outcomes. How do you empower students? How do you empower students? Yeah. You give them the tools. Yeah. You give them the resources. You give them the inspiration and the time to do it. Okay, but what if they fail? Well, you know what? Failure is a lesson learned. Yes. You're not always going to get an equal outcome. You will, no. you will never, you will never achieve 100%. You're probably going to get 10, let's say, let's, let's be arbitrary about it. it I, I'm just making up numbers. It, Here, you're going to get I'll, 10 I'll, to 15%. I'll give you the words. No, let me finish. A normal you're distribution. Get 10 to 15% of people who just won't cut it in whatever system you try to create. It's actually, there's a word for it. It's called the normal distribution. Statistics, because you didn't watch Crash Course Economics. Like yeah, it's like the Pareto distribution, right? No, it's a normal distribution. Okay. It's called the normal distribution. I agree. So I can get really technical. I can say the t- plus two standard deviations will succeed and the, the, the bottom two will not. Or I can go, we want to make sure that 67% will achieve our, our desired outcomes. The remainder will... will the, the one other distribution will achieve with some help, and then the other people will probably go work from home. I'll break it down for you in terms that I and the rest of humanity can understand. To those who have everything, more will be given. To those who have nothing, everything will be taken. No. Yes. Fuck that. It's called the Pareto distribution. No. Yes. You and your hyperbole. No. Anyways. So no, no, it's not what I'm saying. We're we're designing a system for the people. Yeah. Okay. And what I'm saying to you is when you're designing outcomes, okay? Remember, you're designing a hypothesis that you must test. 
Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Vote for me. Don't whiskey. Don't don't design a hypothesis and treat it as a conclusion as they're doing in our universities right now. Exactly. So my my point is, if you look at a normal distribution curve, okay, and you have standard deviations. If you, so, in the normal in a in a normal distribution, the middle is the average. Most people will be around the average. Yeah. Okay. You can have plus one standard deviation, which is most people, and then you have both, and you combine the, the one below standard deviation, and you really have like I think it's sixty seven percent off the top of my head. Okay. So within two standard deviations, really encompass quite a few outcomes. The point is, is you want to group those people and you want to make sure that they have the resources to succeed in your program. Sure. And you design it that way. So what happens when that 10 to 15% falls short and they don't meet your expectations? Well, you need to plan for that. Okay, so what do you do? You make sure that there's other resources to achieve that outcome. Like what? Educational supports, EAs of the current terms. So there's no, there's no rock bottom for them. There's always going to be a, a net, a safety net in place for those people, right? You design it. My daughter is in that safety net. Okay. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm totally, I can totally tell you it is not perfect. No, for sure. Okay, but the point is, we already try and do it. Right. Do we do it well? No, probably not. I would say absolutely not. In my case, um, but the point being, I think it's unavoidable. You're gonna have people with learning disabilities, medical conditions that preclude them going to school. Yeah, like there's an innumerable situations. Yeah, but we can plan for that. There's mental those... mental health abuse, all kinds of stuff. Neglect. Yeah, I got it. Substance got it. abuse. Got it. But if they're already there. I'm not saying cut their losses. Give them programs to be their best. Yeah. Okay? But we have a core capability that for the population of the future. Yeah. So you focus the majority of your effort. Let's say focus the majority on, of your effort on those who are going to give back to the system no. 20 years from now. What I'm saying is that we're going to create a curriculum that has all the elements for us to succeed and get there. We're going to give learning supports to those who need it, and we'll just keep going. So we kind of have that, though. No, we don't. Well, we don't have like special needs classes or, or um, no. classrooms for those Because what happens to if you get a, do- a person like my daughter, first thing they say, oh, you have, you're going to have an uphill battle. So we're going to put you in the rehab program, uh, the special needs program, and all we're going to teach you is life skills and how to make toast. So that's obviously flawed, right? Yeah. So how do you think I took that? I, I looked at him. I said, "Learning doesn't stop at eighteen. Learning is a lifelong endeavor. And how dare you limit a freaking two and a half year old? Because that's when they tried to diagnose her." How dare you limit a three-year-old? How dare you limit a four-year-old? Just because they have problems now doesn't so mean they have problems they, tomorrow. They have. They already have limitations on their abilities right now. So you're saying they put external limitations on their abilities? Yeah. So what kind of what would you have done in that situation? If what kind of program would you implement for somebody like, say, your daughter? Well, for my daughter, what I did is I hired a private teacher. Right. I said, you will. This is, if you want to get paid, this is what I want from you. Okay. And then I hired people to go around her. You will teach her this. Every day. You, She's got school five days a week, 52 weeks a year. Okay. And you know what? The one that she said that they never, she'd never thrive, said she'd never write, never talk. She writes, she talks. Okay, that's great. She reads. And you know what they forgot? What they didn't really recognize is that she could memorize every single book you read to her. And you could leave out words and she'll correct you. Right. So my point being is like I'm, I'm an army of one here, so anomaly. Yeah. But the point being is you need to recognize the ability, not the 
inability. Because when we talk about innovation, we're talking about ability, not inability. We're talking about people taking what they have. Okay, I have, you know, freaking dental floss, a toothbrush, and a lighter. What can I do with this? I can build a snare. I can look to achieve something with with the resources I have. I'm getting all MacGyver on me. (laughs) But mental faculties are the same way. Okay. I'm good at reading. I'm good at memorizing. I'm good at math. Okay. But if we don't take the time to understand what uh, dental floss is made of (laughs) and what it can do for you. So I see, I kind of see what you're saying. If I understand you correctly, what you're trying to get at is this is actually a societal and it's a cultural issue, right? Because what we do is when we see somebody who may have a mental disability or a handicap of some court, some sort, um, we only think about what they can't do. We don't think about what they can do. But that applies to everyone. Yeah. It put, you put me in the same boat as the average Unless person. Unless you're an employer. Cause, but you, you phrase the question differently. You say, okay, what can you do for me? Yes, and then I shape it to meet the outcome. Right. Like you've been around me long enough that I think everybody has some sort of quirk. Well, but I don't have, call it a disability. They have potential. I don't call it a disability. I figure out a way to work with it. Right. And if we're high and mighty and we are, you know, we are the people and we are trying to create a system for the best outcomes. Mm. Okay. Listen, I got it. You're a parent. You know, you know, you you feel is best for your kid. But guess what? We're looking out for society at large to be inclusive on these principles. If we have to house a rat, you got to take your own personality and your you got to put yourself aside. If we're going to create a structured questionnaire, we'll have a referendum on the top five different categories of what we want to build our next school system on. Right. Let's have a referendum on them. Just don't make it like Brexit, people. <laughs> That's probably a good place to to summarize and end it there. Okay, so yeah, so maybe we can summarize a little bit. Um, education is about looking for the future. Even and though we're 20 years behind. <laughs> even though we're 20 years behind. But if we don't plot a course, if we don't take our, our out- the outcomes that we want, and we stop studying towards the test, and if we want to build future innovators and leaders of the future, we need to build the foundation for our children. And we do that through edu- publicly funded education. Agree with that? Sure. And engage in the discussion. Post, yeah. a, post a question on our website. We're glad to hear it. Yeah. Anyway, I've been Rocks. And I'm Whiskey. And here's a shout out to Mr. MacGyver, our number one fan. See you next week. Hey, everybody. Rocks here. I just want to take another moment of your time and shamelessly ask that you like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks. We're currently on iTunes. We're now officially on the Google Play Store. Uh, We're on Stitcher and YouTube, and we're continuously looking for more ways to expand. As well, you can help us out even more if you write us a review on Facebook, tell all your friends, and even get involved in the conversation. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more 320 Club.